even people now, they'll ask me like, is Liv adopted? Or is she, you know, they whisper. And I'm like, yes, she is adopted. There's nothing to be ashamed of, really, truly, on any side from the birth parents and family side to 100% live side. If anyone doesn't have any shame to carry, it's 100% adoptive children. Like they did nothing in the situation besides be born and be chosen. And so I think that that's something that as I've done so much research and watched so many documentaries and talked to so many adoptive people or adoptees, that's one thing that I wanted to make sure that my child would never carry. If God has called you to be a parent, then he has called you to something amazing and terrifying and messy and stressful and isolating. But I am here to tell you that you are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd, and this is No Seriously, How Do I Do This? What is a family? <laughs> what is adoption? And what does it mean when the Bible says that we are adopted by God? Those three questions I asked my little girls on the episode last week, I think they did great, right? They did, they did pretty good. <laughs> Except for that last one, that one got a little out there. I loved it. But I got to tell you, when you ask questions like that of someone else, you spend perhaps more time thinking about what your answer would be to that question were you to be asked. And so that's what I did. That's what I did this whole last week. What is a family? What is adoption? What does it mean that God adopted us? And now I think we can all realize, both through the stories that have been shared over the last few weeks and maybe your own experience, that a family, a healthy, beautiful, functioning family, it's so much more than biological. Our family can be who we choose and who chooses us. A family, I would say, is it's where we belong and with whom we belong. And God adopting us is just an outworking of that choosing. Now, if you've ever been married or you have kids, you know it's a choice that you make every day. It's not a one and done. It wasn't the vows at the altar. It's waking up every morning to morning breath, to realize that they hogged the blankets, to realize that they never turned the thermostat down, to realize that they never cleaned the room, they ate the last of the ice cream, and your favorite blouse has a stain on it, right? It's choosing every day to love them anyway, to accept them as they are, to say, I do, I still do, and I'll do forever. We are wrapping up this week, our third installment of our adoption series, and I am so excited for you to hear from Brittany. This woman, she is adorable, she is smart, she is feisty, and she has such a beautiful story to share. She speaks on love and joy and community and shame and pain and perseverance, and how God got them through all of it, I cannot wait for you to hear from her, to be encouraged. That love, that family is a choice. Brittany, I, I just really want to dive into what your family is, what the dynamic looks like. Introduce me to your kids. They are awesome. I mean, isn't that what every parent says about their kids? But yeah, I have two little girls, a nine-year-old named Aubrey and a hot-off-the-press six-year-old named Liz. Today, she just right? Turned, yep, she just turned six. And um, they are close sisters, and we live in an all-girl house, and I love every minute of it. We genuinely have so much fun. They make me better, truly. So your adoption story, if I understand, is that your youngest is adopted. Yes. 
Was that something you always knew you wanted to do? Like, did you grow up being like, one day I'm going to adopt? Yeah, um, I did. And I actually was was surrounded by a lot of people that were adopted in a weird way. Now looking back, I'm like, it was pretty common. Like I had friends that were adopted. My dad is, as you refer to, half adopted. Mm-hmm. Same situation with his adopted father, but with his biological mother. And when I went to college, I just had this burning passion that I wanted to adopt. I It just was in me. I knew I wanted to do it. I didn't really have a plan for it, whether that's like, you know, you get so overwhelmed with all the overseas versus here, what what ethnicity, what this, boy or girl. And like, I just had no clue. I just knew I was a college student that wanted to adopt a child one day. And I worked at a summer camp um, my freshman year of college, and it was an underprivileged summer camp, camp through the Salvation Army where a lot of these kids were orphans and in the foster care system and different things. And that pretty much confirmed that I wanted to do that. But in particular, I knew I wanted to adopt a biracial child. Um, There was one child there that was biracial and didn't fit into either side. And I remember watching this little girl being tormented of not belonging. And it just broke my heart. And the funny thing is, is that I was like, she's so beautiful. Like, it's just crazy. I don't know. And so I I knew I wanted to adopt. I really wanted to adopt a biracial child, but I had no clue how to do that. Um, And so fast forward, um, got married had Aubrey. And then we started the education journey so I could actually understand what this meant. And at the time we lived in Houston, our church was very proactive in the adoption community and that their stance, which I think is really cool, was you know they believe in pro-life, so they're going to do something about it that mm. helps with the children that need to be adopted. And so I just really liked that and learned a lot through them, um, met some people there, But it wasn't until we moved back to Jacksonville, where my family is, that we joined another church that had another, again, just great program called Operation Adoption. And they would pair you with a mentor. And uh, that's when I learned about the organization where we actually adopted Live From, which was right in my backyard. I I had never heard of it before. It's an accredited high school for teens that have been homeless that are pregnant and they help them get on their feet so that they can they can graduate but also keep their babies with them. So they have a daycare on site and all this and I thought that was just really neat. Now of course, I I would love to have adopted one of the girls that were there their children, but most of them actually parent their children because they do ra- they they help them so much which is awesome. Mm. Um but they do a lot for the the community too. Well, we happened to get picked by one of those girls, but she was already seven months along. And you know, all those things that where they always say it takes forever for you to get chosen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just something in me was like, I don't think it's going to take long. I literally submitted, they call it like a lookbook where you put all your information and then you give it to the birth mothers to kind of see what, what matches, what fits. And I think it was three days later we got the call. So I was like, oh, cool. Uh, How's that? (laughs) That's really fast. Thank goodness we already had a baby and I had a lot of the things and I knew a lot lot about that. But yeah, seven months along and then she was early. So we had live in our arms in one and a half months after we submitted everything. Wow. Which was really, really fast. So this was always your dream. This was something you knew you wanted to do. How did your husband feel about it? He was the same way. Um, he went to that summer camp as well. And I had shared my heart with adoption and he carried that as well. Once we started getting more educated about it, 
um, he was very, very much so alongside with us as we were kind of going through the journey. We raised money through selling t-shirts. He used to design and print t-shirts. And so that was a great avenue for us to raise funds. And he, we raised a lot to be able to, to go through the process and pay for everything. And yeah, so he was very much on board along the way too. So now you have this brand new baby. You've hardly even been able to acclimate yourself to the fact that you're submitted and now you start to wait and all of a sudden your wait's done. Right. Um, the way ours worked, we get a lot of questions about that. Like when, when did you actually get placed with Liv? So we were at the hospital when Liv was born and they literally wheeled her into our room. With it being her birthday today, one of the things that shows up on my time hop memories is a picture of me holding Liv and the nurse, I remember saying, would you like to do skin to skin with her? And so it's a picture of her on my chest and just, I mean, the emotions that flood my heart and my body when I see that is incredible. Like it's, it's an experience that unlike any other, and I mean, and I've had, I've had a biological child and it was, it was amazing in itself, but this was so unique and different and it's just hard to describe, honestly. So I think one of the fears for people, though, when they go to adopt is that it is going to be unique and different, but not in a mm-hmm. good way. They're like, well, I just love this child. How could it compare? Yeah. You're, that, was that moment pivotal for you, having that first look at her as a brand new baby? Did that make a yeah. difference? It's funny because, um, yeah, I think that's definitely a concern. People wonder. Um, mine was instantaneous. I know there are times it takes a little bit. I mean, dep- depending on the situation, you know, Liv was hot off the press, newborn. I don't know yeah. how many people can't just fall in love with, sure. you know, that a lot of them are different ages or different things. And so for us, I fell in love with Liv the first time I met her birth mother. I have a lot of similarities between me being pregnant and me adopting and like the steps along the way. I know like you as a mom, like you, everyone remembers when you first saw, you know, the pregnancy test and it's positive. And for me, that first was when I got the call to say, you've been chosen. And then when you find out the gender, like that feeling that you get, I got that when I first, or when you see the first ultrasound, let's say there, it was when I saw her birth mother, like those same feelings. And so I feel like that's, um, you know, really a gift from the Lord, like through adoption. If, if you have not had a biological child of your own and you do adopt, like you, it's, there's so many feelings that God gives you that are so similar to you know, you being pregnant and birthing your own child through the process of adoption that I think is such a gift. Yeah. I, the little blessing milestones and the pain. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a hard process for a lot of people. Did you find in your process with as quickly as everything happened, was there still difficulties in that? Oh man. Okay. So difficulties in that, um, I remember when, we got to the hospital when we got the call that her birth mom was uh, going into labor. We got to the hospital and um, her birth mother's mother ended up showing up. Now, no one preps you of what that's going to be like. She walks in the room and she passes out. And I was like, Oh, what do I do? You know? um, And I can only imagine what she's feeling. You know, I think that's the part of all of this is like, if you put yourself in someone else's shoes, what, how would you want to be treated? I think that's really life, truly, but really in, in adoption, you know, that's what I'm really passionate about with the adoption side is if I were a birth mother and I was in a situation where I needed to place my child into another family, what would I want? And I think that's important for adoptive, adoptive parents to think through. It's hard. It's not easy. That's the hardest. I think that's the hardest thing to answer your question in a very, very roundabout way is, 
is putting yourself in someone else's shoes and realizing that, you know, there's another person involved and other people involved. And if you were in that situation, what would you want? Now, I am sitting here. So I, I would say I'm on the edge of my seat. But I'm sitting on like one of those cool exercise balls. Yeah. So there's Ooh, not really so an edge being a sphere, but I <laughs> am like just really into this. So the biological grandmother comes in. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest with you, Brittany. I don't know that I've ever actively spared a thought for that character in the story. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and there's also aunts and uncles and siblings. There's other siblings involved, too. So there could <sighs> be you name it. And my heart goes to the birth mother because yes. There's so many fears. I hear so many adoptive parents, including myself, say, what if they change their mind? I think we start clinging to what's mine and like control that you lose sight on what is best for the child and what would you want if you were in that situation? And so that's a big thing I learned through this. And my situation was honestly, Summer, like one of the most ideal situations you can have in adoption. And I agree with you. I think the heart and everything goes out first to that birth mother. But I think maybe because I picture my own mom and her relationship with my kids. And then I put myself into that position of like, okay, this this is a piece of me, right? This is my grandchild. So did did the mom support the adoption? Yeah. So the the grandmother, like once she came to, she she always referred to us as Liv's parents. There was never that tension there, which I hear so many of my friends that are in the hospital and they're still arguing whether or not they even are, if this was the right decision for them. I mean, and I can't imagine sitting there going, is this going to happen or not? And so, like I said, we had some of the most ideal circumstances with our adoption. All of Liv's birth mother and her family were supportive and definitely on the same page. So with your guys' situation, is it an open adoption? Do you still have connection to the family? Okay, so we don't, but that was another one of those challenges that is kind of one of those faux pas of adoption. Um, And that a lot of people, again, it's like, I don't want them involved because that means that if the birth parents are involved, it it's, it makes our parenting role lesser than, or, you know, and, and it's very much depending on the situation. There's some situations that aren't healthy, for the birth parents to be involved. But ultimately, is it, it is something that if you put yourself in their shoes, what would you want? And so I asked Liv's birth mother what she would like. And she said, I just want to go back and be, be a student again. And I said, totally understand that. But you know what? A lot changes in 5, 10, 15 years. And Liv will always know who you are. So if you ever wonder or change your mind, you have my number and you can reach out. And I knew that going into it because I had done so much research on adoption that one of these documentaries that I watched talked about this woman who is African-American and she was adopted by a Caucasian family. And she recalls the family always saying like to her sisters, her siblings, like you look just like uncle Jack, or you look just like mom when you do this. And she's like, and I never had that. And so my oldest, my biological, she's, she not only looks just like our family, she's named after our family. Aubrey Rose is for all three of her great grandmothers. And so I really wanted something for Liv. So her Liv's middle name is after her birth mother. And then there's a picture of her birth mother in her room which we would always refer to her as her tummy mommy. That was kind of a term that she could wrap her brain around. But it wasn't until she was about three or four that she started asking questions about, who's that, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Oh my goodness. I just, I hear that story. I hear what you've done. And Brittany, allow me just to say, and maybe you don't need to hear this or not, but like what a beautiful and gracious and sacrificial decision. Like I can imagine for so many parents, it's a scary thing because we were talking uh, a couple of weeks ago to Austin French and he was sharing how when his son gets angry, he blames Austin for taking him away from his family. Mm -hmm. And at some point you have these angsty kids. And when you leave that door open, you're so afraid they're going to run through it one day or that the family will be unbalanced and try to, you know, but for you to just open that door is just such a model of Christ. And so I just want to throw that out there and just say, it's beautiful. And let me just say, (laughs) this was a, this was a journey. Liv is now six and we did a a lot of research prior to Liv adopting. So like, this was not like, it's kind of like tithing. The more you do it, the more you start to trust God in it. And so this is years and years of that. It didn't start out that way. I felt all those feelings of mine and who cares about what they think and all that. And But I really do believe that when I fell in love with Liv's birth mother that day, I just had a whole new appreciation for her. And I think one of the biggest things, Summer, that I would love to share about adoption that's been like such a big part of our story is the idea of shame around adoption, because mm. I hear so many people talk about, even, even people now, they'll ask me like, is Liv adopted? Or is she, you know, they whisper. And I'm like, yes, she is adopted. There's nothing to be ashamed of, really, truly, on any side from the birth parents and family side to 100% live side. If anyone doesn't have any shame to carry, it's 100% adoptive children. Like they did nothing in the situation besides be born and be chosen. And so I think that that's something that as I've done so much research and watched so many documentaries and talked to so many adoptive people or adoptees, that's one thing that I wanted to make sure that my child would never carry. So much so that we're extremely open about it. That's something that I really pride myself in our home is there's nothing off limits and 100% not adoption. It's gotten so much that now my oldest is like, well, wait, who's my birth mother? And I'm like, <laughs> me. And she's like, wait, how come Liv gets a birth mommy and you? And I'm like, well, she, she just, ha- she you live with yours. She just doesn't happen to live with hers. So we that's one thing that I just felt very passionate about was like, I'm not going to allow any shame to creep into this amazing, amazing story that Christ was throughout the whole time. Sin thrives in secrets. And this is not anything to be ashamed of or be secretive about. It's something to be so proud of. And I love that you model that. I love that Aubrey's jealous that she's not adopted. Oh my gosh. But, but we have we have that privilege as believers, right? We are told mm-hmm. that God adopts us. But to be able to just raise this healthy understanding of adoption and something to be proud of, I love that. So you're sharing how your adoption journey was... Kismet. Like it was just so easy. It was good. It the right doors opened. Your husband was on board with it. So you bring this little girl home, but difficulties crept in at that point. Not mm-hmm. necessarily with Liv, but in the family unit. Would you be willing to share that journey? Yeah. And let me just uh preface this that I just shared about shame and adoption. And I am now practicing what I preach and trying to not let shame hold me back from my truth and my journey. And so, yeah, shortly after Liv was adopted, um, her dad and I separated. He was unfaithful and it caused a lot of damage in our marriage. 
And I got a lot of questions from people saying, why would you adopt this child in the midst of this? But I didn't know if I had known that I'd be a single mom of two young girls, things may have looked different, but I think that's how God uses our stories. If we knew what was going to happen, would we even take that step of faith to begin with? And so, yeah, that was really, really hard. Became a single mom to two young girls live. I was terrified of already feeling abandoned by her biological parents, that I was extremely afraid that now that she's in this divided home, she's going to feel abandoned by her now adoptive family. Um, And again, I think that's lies, again, creeping in from the enemy. Like I said, I had to practice what I preached and, and there was no shame on my end. And I was reminded of that all the time through counsel and through prayer and through different things that were, you know, I was trying to do to heal in my life. And so I was like, you know what, if we're willing to talk about anything in this home, this is something we're going to talk about to a certain extent. I mean, these are two, that's something that there's obviously boundaries within your story, especially when it's parents and children. But we, I was even afraid to even say the, the D word. It was hard for me to even say divorce. So I can't even, it was the craziest thing. And so slowly, as we all three of us learned how to ask hard questions and talk through those things, um, I just knew that if we're going to talk about adoption and we're going to keep this house open to be able to discuss anything that I had to talk about divorce and it was hard and I get a lot of really tough questions from them, but it's from both of them. It's not, Liv doesn't have any, any different baggage than Aubrey, I would say. I mean, they're both, they were both very impacted as any child would be from divorce, but I'm just glad that my eyes were opened about the shame and adoption. So I was able to then carry it forward in my divorce and trying to heal and process that and not carry that shame of that either. I know that the journey has been hard, Brittany. I know that. Um, but I am a firm believer and it's easier on this end, I, pro- I suppose, to say, but, I, you know, that God knows exactly what we can handle and he understands the story. And even if it breaks his heart, he made you these girls' mom and he always knew you were meant to be Liv's mom. And he knew that you were strong enough to weather this. And what I am most just in awe of is how open you are being, not just with me, but with and especially with your girls. Mm-hmm. I think that modeling for them that kind of fortitude in the face of hardship mm-hmm. and how to be brave and how to be strong and how to shirk off the shame and how on those days when the shame creeps back in as it is wont to do, you have to continually make that choice to lay it at the foot of the cross. I think that example is is a more powerful example that girls can see than if nothing had ever gone wrong. Right. And I know I know we're talking about adoption and I know you've processed all of this, but of course, there's nothing that you have to be shamed about. I have talked to so many women who are like, I just carry so much shame for my husband having an affair. Mm-hmm. And that just breaks my heart. And I know it breaks the heart of God. And so I just want to speak that into your life, that you are beautiful, that you are loved, that you are loving. And I am so excited for your girls to be able to be raised in your home with that Thank example. You. So at this point, is he still involved? Is he still co-parenting? Yes, he is very involved still. And um, but boy, co-parenting is woo. Um, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, I think we both have the same goal of raising happy, healthy children, and so everything is filtered 
through that. You know, what's funny is that as we parallel, you know, shame and divorce and adoption, I would say even in adoption, everything should be funneled through the same filter of what's best for the child. As long as that is the goal, then are biannual meetups that big of a deal if it's best for the child or if it's be- if you're putting yourself in her shoes. I wish I didn't have those parallels, but it has taught me so much. How old was Liv when that separation happened? Um, we were separated when she was really young. I would say like a few months old. And then we got we came back together for a short time. But when we were, when we got a divorce, she was a little over a year old. So she doesn't remember anything at all. So much so that we're driving in the car one day and Aubrey, my oldest, was talking about having an ear infection and and coming into mom and dad's room to see if she could get some relief or help or whatever. And Liv, Liv said, what do you mean mom and dad's room? And Aubrey's like, Liv, you do know that mom and dad used to live in the same house. And she's like, nope. And Mind so, blown. What? Oh my goodness. And so she doesn't recall that at all, um, which, you know, I guess there's pros and cons to all of that, you know. Oh man, what a journey. And so coming back around then to the experience that you've had for that person who's listening, who is considering this for themselves and doesn't know where to start, what would you say has been the very best, by far, your favorite thing about adopting? Oh, my favorite thing about adopting. Well, if you saw Liv, you would understand why. Oh, she's real cute. She's (laughs) real cute. And I feel like I can say that when she's not biologically mine. Like for my oldest, I mean, I think she's cute, but I just don't go around saying that because she looks like me, so it feels oh, a little no. bit... Oh, no. All my kids are super cute. Super cute, but it's just different. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, she's yours. Of course you think that like kind of thing. Like, she looks just like you. Sure. With Liv, she's Hispanic, and so she just looks different than me, And but in the best of ways. Like, she's just stunningly beautiful. And that's not the best part, but I'm just saying she is the, ultimately the best part of adoption. She's yeah. so cute. Um, I would say the best part of adoption... Okay, I have too many. My first thought right off the bat was um, seeing my community and actually people I didn't know come around to support because not everyone's called to adopt. Let's be serious. Like, okay, to each their own. We all have different callings in life and different things that God puts on our hearts. But just because you're not called to adopt doesn't mean that you can't support adoption. And so when we were raising funds for our adoption and just different things we needed, I mean, our people showed up up and strangers showed up. And so just wanting to help and give in any way that prayers, I mean, you name it. And so that was such a cool thing to witness and to be a part of, of, you know, ultimately we're adopting, she's going to be in our family, but other people wanted to be a part of it and we're excited about it. I mean, I just posted a picture of Liv for her birthday today. And so many people were commenting on, I remember when she was coming home and I remember when we were praying for her and they they were part of that journey. And so it's so neat to see her thriving in our family and so many people that helped get her to our family. Yes. I I think that too often we are so afraid of being a burden that we don't mm-hmm. ask for the help that we need. And we rob people of the opportunity of being a part of something. Yeah. And I, I just, I know that coming up with Adrian's deployment, we're going to need help. And I'm trying to steal myself to be able to ask for it. And I'm sure after 
everything fell out with you and your family situation, there were times you needed to ask for help. Oh, uh, just last week I needed to ask for help. So yes, that does not stop. By it doesn't means. stop, but you know what? And it shouldn't. I don't think we're ever meant to do this on our own. And I know that in the situation that you described, it, it may have been in more of a, a dramatic time for you, but I'm just so grateful that you have that tribe. And that that tribe came along and had the blessing of being able to bless. Oh, so exciting. I think about the tribe all the time because, you know, people do this alone. And I'm like, I I don't know how from adoption to divorce to all the other, to deployment to all the in between. I mean, God doesn't want us to do things alone and it is hard to ask for help. But I also think that's part of sharing your story and why that's so important too, because you can just help people by talking about it. That was something we felt very strongly about with the Adoption for Live and we, the shirts that I was telling you about. They said, in the name of love. It didn't just say, we adopted. You know, It said, mm-hmm. in the name of love. And on the tags, we asked all the people that purchased those shirts to help bring Live home that when you get asked about what that shirt is or when you get a picture with it to explain that you supported adoption You know, so that people can just be talking about it. And the same is true with my divorce is the more I'm, I open up about it, the more people that are in the same situation that I'm in can come to me that maybe aren't as far along on the journey as I am. And I can help them through that too. Yeah, that is beautiful. And so in the spirit of helping people, what would you say is one thing that you desperately wish that even though you've done so much research and had spent your whole life wanting to adopt, you did not see this coming? I mean, I would say the biological grandma was probably... I mean to see no someone one pass you, out. Grandma just passed out on Woo. <laughs> No. Okay. Uh, you know, here's this is funny. Okay. So I'm Caucasian, white. My adopted daughter, Liv, is Hispanic and Caucasian. She's she's biracial. And mm-hmm. they say that Hispanic women in particular are a little more spicy than the <laughs> not. Well, I didn't. Re- I was like, really? Can that be a thing? Really? Am I allowed to say this? Because I'm, I'm just going there. So just do it. <laughs> so I'll never forget going to the pediatrician when Liv was little and she could cry like she could cry. And I walked in and our pediatrician was like, it was right off the bat. Like she's Hispanic. And I was like, how did you know that? She said, listen, I see babies all the time. Some are crying because they're scared. Some want their mom. Some are hungry. And she's like, but Liv, she's crying because she's got that spiciness in her. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> well, fast forward, she she's the boss of this house. That's for sure. She she rules things around here. And so oftentimes my oldest is like, Liv's bossing me around again. I'm like, you're three years older than her. Boss her back. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I I just I think the especially with interracial adoption, you learn a lot about other cultures. That's something that I'm definitely trying to keep um, with, you know, teaching her Spanish, her roots and surround her with other. Well, I mean, even with my my oldest, I really like melting pots. I really like culture and people and colors and backgrounds to all mix. But it's really important with Liv to try for me to try to keep those Hispanic roots in her. That is so fun. And I love watching your family just blow I love watching your family just grow and bloom. That's what I was trying to say on on Facebook and being able to just even be a witness to that. And thank you so much for sharing your story here and for being an encouragement. And you might never meet the person, but there might be someone listening right now for whom you are now part of their tribe. Like they found so much help and support encouragement from your story. And so I just want to thank you for sharing. it. 
Oh my gosh, you're so I love it. I I I love adoption. My life has completely been changed through it and it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever been a part of. So why am I not going to shout about that from the mountaintops, you know? As I listen to that story all over again, I'm just reminded of how many choices Brittany had to make. She chose this cause, this cause of adoption from a young age. She chose to pursue it. She chose a man who got it, right? She chose her daughter. She chose to do what was best for her daughter in relation to the birth family. She chose then to persevere when everything fell apart. She chose to stand back up and fight for her family and point them back to Jesus and lean into Christ and into her community when she wasn't enough. And you know what? That example is the best example we as parents can set. It's not how to live perfectly. It's how to respond when everything falls apart. And so I, I pray that you have been blessed these last few weeks. Now, I, I admit, when we are talking to Austin and Sarah and Brittany, we are exploring parenthood through the eyes of three really amazing parents. And maybe for you, listening in on these journeys has made you a little sad. It would have been great to have a mom like Brittany. But Summer, you don't understand. My mom was not like that. My dad, whoo. But I just want to remind you that you do have a father who chose you, who loves you, who sacrificially gives and gave for you. And whether or not you've ever chosen him in return, he is there. And he is ready and willing and desiring to right those wrongs that were done to you, to help heal that hurt that you feel, that pain that you're carrying. He says, give it to me give it to me. I'm going to carry it for you. And so if you have any questions about that, about the spirit of adoption that God offers all of his people, will you reach out to me? Summer at seriouslyhow.com. Or if you just want to be a part of this community in a deeper way, find us on Facebook. Just search for No Seriously, How Do I Do This? And I pray that this week, as every week, you were reminded that you are loved. You are so loved and you are not alone.